Welcome to a special live edition of the State of Recruiting Podcast, your weekly Orange 24-7 recruiting podcast. We are here live from room 431 of the uh, Courtyard by Marriott in the Katie Mills uh, Center, if anyone's interested. By the time you hear this, we will be close to checking out, so I feel like we can safely say that with all the fans um, without all the fans being coming to our room and knocking on our door. Uh, Hudson Standish joined by, uh, I'm sorry, I'm Mike Roach. I'm joined by Hudson Standish. If you can't tell, it's been it a long a week. night edition. <laughs> it's a late night uh, at the end of what has been a long week. We've logged a lot of miles. We've seen a lot of kids. We're in Houston for the week of spring football. I'm just seeing prospects. Um, we're going to get into that. We'll talk a little spring game. We'll talk a little bit about our time in Houston. And, Hudson, correct me if I'm wrong. I think we're going to take a couple of questions, a mini mailbag, if you will. Yeah, we're going to do a mini mailbag. Um, <laughs> there are seven questions right now already on the board. By the time we get to the mailbag section, I'm sure we'll have more than a dozen. Uh, also, if you're listening to this early Friday morning, again, please don't come to our room and wake us up. We'll probably be sleeping in a little bit before we head to El Campo. Yeah, absolutely. Um, before we get into everything, Hudson... It's kind of your first big work trip here with twenty four seven. How's it? How how would you rate it? How how did we do? How was the uh, how was the week? Yeah, it's been fantastic, and it's really exciting that we're still going to go get to see the states and maybe the nation's best running back tomorrow. Plus a spring game, a Texas baseball game. Hopefully, the pitching staff can get it figured out by the time that we're at uh, Dishfalk Field. So it's been fantastic. I mean, I you Mike, you know this and. People who have listened to Mike's podcast since the OG uh, No Interviews Please podcast will know the kind of core model for the Texas 24-7 site is getting out and seeing a bunch of spring practices, trying to see as many Texas offers as you possibly can. And so from going, from listening to Mike and EJ talk about their spring travels to being a part of it, I mean, it's just really exciting. We saw a ton of ridiculously talented kids plus Mike I mean I think we saw the next wave in Houston as well we saw a lot of 24s and 25s that maybe we didn't even get to write about a whole ton that now we're they're on our radar and we've been kind of forwarding that to college coaches as well so it's really exciting yeah I think um, you know our <laughs> I, there's no secret to doing this job I think the way to do this job is to get out and see as many people as possible, make as many connections as possible. And we've done a lot of that this week. I think that will serve us for the rest of the recruiting cycle with this class and, and even on into the next couple of classes. Um, it's just kind of my philosophy that, uh, you know, we just outwork and, and get out and see more kids than anybody out there. So um, I know I drive a pretty hard pace. You've kept up extremely well. So I uh, hope I didn't kill you too much this week. No, it was a ton of fun. All right, let's get into it. Um, let's. Uh, you want to do chronologically? Yeah, let's just go. I think it's the easiest way to go Monday through Thursday. So Monday we uh, made our first stop was to Aldine Eisenhower. Uh, Monday was a weird day because a lot of schools weren't in, uh, not only in Houston but around the state, I think, uh, in a different move than what was done when I was in school. They started taking four-day weekends for Easter, so... Um, a lot of schools weren't in, but uh, luckily Aldi and Eisenhower was. And what a welcome we got at Eisenhower, and what a group of players they have there. 
Yeah, I think that Eisenhower Ike was probably the school I was most eager to visit because they have obviously Ryan Niblett, who is the 2023 wide receiver, I believe the number 52 player in the nation, uh, according to 24-7 Sports. But in addition to him, they also have a really, really talented group of 25s and 24s. Not only do they have all this verified talent, but they also have a ton of sleepers and guys that we were able to show to other college staffs and help get on the radar, which is one of Mike and I's shared passions in this job. So, I, 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 Mike, I mean, you might disagree with me. We saw some great schools, but I think Ike was probably the collective shared favorite of all of the trips, and we got it right off the bat. The coaching staff there was absolutely phenomenal to us. And they have a ton of guys uh, on the rise, including uh, 2025 athlete Dion DeBlanc and 2025 safety JoJo Albright, which if you're into the uh, pulling receipts business, just keep this in mind that three years from now, those two guys are going to be top 150 players. Yeah, um, let's – yeah, I good feeling we'll be back to Ike once or twice in the next couple of years. Um Let's talk about Niblet. First time meeting him, seeing him in person. Um, it was kind of a, when we were there, you know, they did a little light workout. Um, so we got to see him move around a little. But, you know, his week has been spent preparing for the area track meet uh, to qualify for regionals to hopefully eventually qualify for state, which after today, Hudson, I'm not sure is going to be a problem for him. Uh, in at least one of it, he swept four uh, during his area track meet, but uh, he, he looks to be pretty fast. It's He's going to have a tough region. He's in the same region as Duncanville, DeSoto, a ton of traditional track powers, in addition to another guy that we'll get to later in Jaquiz Petaway, who's a freak show in his own right. But Niblet, what he did today with us in attendance at the area track meet was just pretty remarkable. I mean, he was absolutely flying. And then we also get to watch him catch the ball. He's a natural uh, pass catcher. I mean, I think that some people might have scoffed at him being ranked number fifty-two that highly. But if you're not if you're not seeing the vision with Niblet, maybe just consider that the tape is on a three and seven team plus the verified athleticism. I don't know. I I'm very very excited about him as a prospect. And, Mike, I'm really excited about where Texas stands with him. It seems like Brendan Marion is really hitting a lot of the important points with his recruitment. Yeah, I think uh, before we get into kind of where things are, you know, I I told you just from looking at him, his track profile, his build, he does weirdly remind you a lot of Evan Stewart at this point. Like, Evan was, you know, putting up similar numbers on the track and in, in, in jump events, and um, – I would say you kind of made a really good point in saying like he's Evan Stewart without the training. Like Evan was yeah. was really well trained um, by Margin Hooks and and had a lot of more of the nuance to his game. And and Evan's a, you know was a dog. I mean he he the competitiveness in Evan was there. But I think we saw a lot of that same type of juice in Niblet today. You mentioned it, and we've talked about it a lot on the site this week. And if, again, if you're not a member of Orange 24-7, please go subscribe. Hit that subscribe. Yeah, also on the podcast, hit the subscribe button, like, share, follow, Five rate, stars. rate, review, all that stuff. Um, Niblet went from 
I would say a recruitment that was dead or close to dead. It was at least on life support. I mean, he, he released the top seven early in the year that did not include Texas. And had Kansas in it. Yeah, that's... And obviously, rival fans will make the easy Kansas jokes here, but, I mean, come on. Yeah, and it kind of just said he had just forgot to include Texas, but as I, the point I made at the time was, well, if you forgot them then, they obviously weren't top of mind for you. Um, recent visit to Texas went really well. I think he's really connected with Brendan Marion, and coming back this weekend for the spring game, I like where Texas is right now. I feel like they're surging in this recruitment. Alabama, Houston, those are a couple of other schools that are in it for him, but I, I really like where Texas has positioned themselves. Yeah, I think that I don't think any school that's pushing hard for um, Ryan Niblett would trade their spot with Texas. I just don't. Yeah, um, and so yeah, we'll see kind of how that pans out. But when you talk about adding dynamic athletes, uh, well, I believe he was a twenty-three long jump. He was a ten-four-two hundred. He smoked the final leg of the four-by-one, um, and we didn't get his two hundred time, but he finished first. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it. Again, we don't want to repeat ourselves, but this is just one that's exactly profiling how Texas fans really just could have hoped and prayed. And that's not even talking about two guys in Jonte Cook and Jaquez Petaway who are the have been the top two targets on the board. And then you're talking about a Jonah Wilson who's the X receiver target. And then you're talking about a Jaden Greathouse that a lot of people have had penciled into the class for a while as a multi-dimensional offensive weapon plus some out-of-state guys, plus even some in-state guys with offers where you're starting to look around like, okay, uh, maybe you should have hopped in the boat two months ago. I mean, goodness, the wide receiver recruiting. Last year, there were some positives, especially with Evan Stewart hopping in the boat, but a lot of that seemed more like it was Steve Sarkeesian's doing than the necessary, necessarily just the overall 22 wide receiver class, per se, and how they were being recruited. This 23 group spearheaded by Brennan Marion, Steve Sarkeesian, and all the Texas uh, recruiting support staffers, I mean, it's pretty freaking all gas, no breaks. I forget this is a no cussing podcast because I almost let one rip. <laughs> um, so that's that, that was good to see with Niblet. It was good to, to talk to him and get a better feel for where things are. And like we mentioned, a couple of guys coming up that I to keep an eye out for. After we left Eisenhower – went over to uh, uh, North Shore High School where there was a training session. North Shore, one of the schools, not in session. Uh, But we did get our eyes on North Shore safety, Javen Anderson, who Texas sees as a bit of a hybrid between the safety and linebacker position. I think um, he he will also be in town for the spring game this weekend. I think with Anderson, um, you know, a lot's going to depend on how the linebacker board plays out. But an interesting prospect, and Hudson, you really liked kind of what you saw from him in that training session. Yeah, I love the way that Javen Anderson moves. He is truly a six foot two, probably two hundred and five pounder right now that doesn't have a lick of fat on his body. Moves like a safety, but we know that Jeff Choate's going to be the one coaching him. He's going to be a linebacker. Maybe they'll. Maybe they'll sell him as a hybrid backer, but I think by the time that he starts putting on weight, he'll be a true inside backer at Texas. And it just really depends on him with how the recruitments of Anthony Hill and Darian Gallette go. We feel like the number at linebacker is three. They have Samaje Burrell in the boat. 
and it seems pretty clear that Anthony Hill and Darian Gillette are going to be guys that they push until they are signed. So with Javon Anderson and Jonathan Hall and a couple other linebacker targets, it's going to be a little bit of a patient process, and you know we'll see how that one shapes up. One thing I think is interesting we talked about this week, the emergence of Gary Patterson on the staff, and instead of finding linebackers with a lot of warts, spinning down bigger safeties, which we saw a lot at TCU. Um, I think it's an interesting new way to go about a position that's really tough to find year in and year out. Mike, I've written about it a lot. I think it's the smartest way to recruit linebackers. And if it wasn't for the fact that the state of Texas, which normally doesn't produce linebackers at a great rate, surprisingly just has Samaje Burrell, Darian Gallette, and Anthony Hill, all of which are freaks. I mean, I think that Javon Anderson, uh, Jonathan Hall from Katie, and even a Bryson Washington from Franklin, who I promote quite a bit, those would be incredible safety to linebacker spin-down candidates, in addition to some other guys that we probably haven't even discovered yet that are just waiting to be spun down. I think that is the best linebacker strategy moving forward, and like you said, the Gary Patterson influence, but even if it's just Jeff Choate kind of realizing what he's got to work with in the state of Texas, I think his, I don't know if his stock is up with the fans, but it should be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, All right, let's move on to Tuesday, uh, which I'm trying to jog my memory. Tuesday morning, I believe we went over to, was that the Sea Kingdom? Let me pull up the calendar. I have Everything there. I don't think so. Uh, no, I'm sorry. We went to Sci-Fair that morning. Yes. Sci-Fair doesn't have any Texas offers, but a couple of guys who I think are on the radar in the underclass group. Uh, blessed. I'm probably going to mess up his name. Uh, blessed. Adewumi. Adewumi, an offensive lineman who just visited. Uh, looks like an intriguing center prospect. Pretty well built for an interior offensive lineman. Uh, plays with a mean streak, especially when the cameras are on. Um, and then uh, Landon Rink, a 2025 legacy at Texas, his dad Shane uh, played on the defensive line at Texas. And Landon, uh, I thought, was a really impressively built kid. Has a lot of, uh, you know, some really intriguing traits from what we've seen, both on film and, you know, just kind of what he's done in, in, in the weight room. Yeah, Blessed and Landon are the two at Sci Fair that I would watch. Um, Blessed was given the feedback from Kyle Flood that he needs to learn how to snap because he views him as a center take. He's going to come back in camp in the summer with the potential to earn an offer. And I think Landon, he's a 25, so there will be plenty of time to continue to to evaluate him. If he continues to grow, I think he'd be an awesome interior defensive line prospect. Uh, One thing that I always kind of like to see with guys that get early defensive snaps early uh, is maybe are they better set up to be an interior offensive lineman at the next level. That's something that I'm going to keep an eye on with Landon Rank. Um, Riley Van Poppel from Argyle is a good example of that and somebody who's really going to rise in a lot of rankings uh, towards the end of the uh, 23 cycle. Another guy at Fair that we were looking at is Trey Owens, who took a visit to Texas. He's a 24 quarterback that we think is somebody that they're monitoring. Yeah, so Fair. Uh, you know, a program that produces a fair, fair share of talent, always good to check in and make sure we're keeping those connections strong, even if there's not necessarily an offer there. I always say, you know, and it's not, it doesn't really apply here, but you kind of work your area as a recruit, as a recruiting reporter, just like a recruiter would, um, and make sure you're maintaining those connections. 
Um, after we went there, we uh, moved on over to Langham Creek, uh, where we saw Jaquez Petaway. Um, we mentioned Petaway uh, briefly. He kind of fits in again with Niblet in that elite speed, um, you know, elite 100 meter guy. I think he's run a couple of 10.4s this year, 10.5 somewhere in there, um, and again won his area today. Uh, not sure what uh, did we ever get a time on his hundred meter? I didn't see one on Twitter. By the time that you're looking at this uh, pod or listening to this podcast, um, you'll probably see it on Friday morning. But I mean, he was flying, and I know that he finished second in the two hundred behind the state's uh, top twenty twenty four prospect Jelani Watkins as well. So uh, Petaway, I believe, going to the regional track meet in three events. He also won the long jump. T- I mean, he's just an absolute freak. Um, and in addition to seeing Langham Creek on Tuesday, we also stopped by Spring Decaney, I believe. Yeah, I, I did forget Decaney. Uh, you know why it's not in the calendar? Because it was a last minute uh, addition. Decaney was kind of a floating target for us and we were kind of just going to slot it in when we had time and we had time that day uh while at the caney saw jonah wilson uh in the weight room and hudson that was kind of your first time i think to really up close get to eyeball jonah and uh recently yeah uh, what were your thoughts the, well the first the first thought was the uh, 247 our, our profile had him listed at 6-1 and i um list myself at 6-4 and he was about as tall as i was so we we uh, safely put him at 6'3", but for anybody, and I, I've seen some comments on the various, uh, on the board and Twitter as well, that was kind of concerned that he's being recruited as an ex-receiver, uh, even though he was listed at 6'1". You shouldn't have any concerns about that. He's at at least 6'3", and is physically built like that contested catch, um, you know, big body target that Brennan Marion really craves at the role. Um, so that was my first thought. In addition to that, it's just that Texas is in a really good spot. They are confirmed to get an official visit. I wrote that this morning. Ohio State also confirmed to get an official visit. One thing to keep an eye on is just how hard the Buckeyes are really going to push, um, with Jonah Wilson. Even if they do push hard, I, I love where Texas stands. Yeah, I think even uh, yeah, I think you're right there. Regardless of how hard Ohio State pushes, I think uh, I think Texas stands in a great position, and um, you know I see I could see Jonah wanting to stick close to home, just knowing him, and and I think Texas gives him a great option there, and uh, they like him. They want those bigger body guys. You know, I, it, it's interesting. I think we went from the Tom Herman kind of, hey, we've got a slotted role for every receiver and we recruit to that role to Steve Sarkeesian kind of just being freewheeling with, hey, we just want good receivers to now Brennan Marion's tweaked it a little bit and said, yeah, we do need big body X's and ball winners and guys like that. So, um, you know, I think not maybe not as rigid as, as the way Herman recruited them and not as free flowing as the way Sark was appearing to recruit them last year. Yeah, I think that's a perfect way to put it. And in general, I just I just love that Steve Sarkeesian and Brennan Marion just seem to be just tweaking how they recruit receivers, maybe what the formula is for the roles that they fit in. Um, we were talking to a source earlier this week that was just like, the best thing about Sark is that he's willing to improve and he's willing to change his ways of hiring people 
and they were just really high on the choice and Marion hires and just saying they brought some more flavor to the Texas staff. And I don't know. It's just that's something that I'm really excited about. We hope you're enjoying this week's episode of The State of Recruiting. We'll be back with the second half after a word from our sponsors. Um, so we mentioned Petaway a little earlier. Uh, we, we got to see him warm up for track, uh, talk to him, delightful conversation. Um, and, you know, we saw uh, we saw him do a little bit of football practice. What were your thoughts on him, Hudson? Yeah, I mean, I've been on the record. I think that Petaway and Cook are in their own tier as far as wide receivers in the state uh, this cycle. And Niblet is getting closer to entering that tier, but right now it's those two in the top for me. I go back and forth on who I like more, but I think that if you really put the uh, invisible sports gun to my head, I'd probably pick Petaway. Um, and it's because he has that freaky sub-21-200 speed as a long strider. He's a 10-4 guy in the 100. He can... He has two years of really solid production for, to be honest, and we had a lovely time at Langham Creek. It is not the powerhouse program like a DeSoto, like a Longview, like an Austin Westlake. So part of me does think that once he gets to a program where not all of the attention is on him, where he's not having to get bracketed against all of these really competitive Cypress ISD schools, that he might even thrive more and be even more productive than he already is. So I'm a major fan of Petaway, and with the schools recruiting him, like Oklahoma, LSU, Ohio State, it's clear that he's a top 40 blue chipper for a reason. And I think that one thing um, that I mentioned when I posted my Jaquez Petaway notes that I think got a lot of fans excited was that he finally got the uh, Arch Manning text that a lot of other recruits are getting. And, um, you know, he straight up told us, Mike, that yeah, it probably would matter where Arch Manning goes. And I think that was a little bit of a refreshing moment of honesty that was just awesome to hear from him. Yeah, and so, I, again, I think that's another one where Texas has done a really you know, great job getting in with him and um, kind of turning, turning things around in that recruitment. He will visit Oklahoma this week. I think the Sooners are a, a definite threat, probably the biggest for Texas at this point. So we'll kind of see how how they look coming out of that trip. Uh, after we left uh, Langham Creek, we went to a training session down in Fort Bend County. So we, uh, if you're keeping track, uh, that's Cypress, Spring, uh, Langham Creek, I guess is kind of in the Cypress area, right? Mm-hmm. Back to Cypress and then down to Fort Bend County. If you know Houston, you know we spent a lot of time in the truck uh, on, on Tuesday. Um, no offers no Texas offers uh, at that training session, but did see some really intriguing kids. And I think came away most impressed with a 2025 corner from Shadow Creek uh, named Nigel uh, Pringle. Pringle. Yeah. Yeah, no, he was incredible. Mike tweeted out some videos, but the kid had three different competitive rep, um, one hand Odell Beckham interceptions playing corner. He was really impressive. Against a top 100 kid. Against a top 100 kid that had visited A&M on the day and is a USC commit. So that was extremely eye-opening. And overall, it was just a competitive group. Jacoby Banks from Fort Bend Marshall, if you are a fan, a hardcore fan, I should say, of recruiting across the state of Texas, he's a really intriguing slot option that we got to see. 
and just getting to chop it up with, um, you know, all the different trainers in Houston has been really fun. Yeah, that was uh, uh, Rose Simon, uh, who runs fast, 7-on-7. That was his session, and and Rose has been a friend for a while, so it was good to get out there and see him. I always call him up when I'm in Houston. Uh, Wednesday, Wednesday we went to C.E. Keene. That was our first stop of the day. And really got to put our eyes on Dylan Spencer, the Texas commit, who I think is a mystery to some fans. Uh, man, you talk about a guy that made an impression. I wrote this, and I got a. Uh, uh, I guess people laughed at the the uh, the wording the of phrasing, it, yeah. but I remember. So when we walked in, we're standing in the hall with the with the CE King head coach, and all the kids are coming down the hall to the locker room to get ready for athletic period. You know, I've got my eyes out. I'm looking for him, but I've I've never met Dylan in person, so I'm kind of just kind of keeping an eye out for who I think might be him. And uh, boy, when he turned the corner. He was he was probably fifty yards away from us, but uh, I didn't even need to see him up close. I knew who it was going to be. Yeah, he's built like a brick house. We all of our sourcing has told us that Texas wants to play him at outside linebacker. Just personally, I can't see him not spinning down and eventually playing on the defensive line with his hands in the dirt. Um, it'll be fun, and they definitely have the role for the bigger body outside linebacker. But that's just kind of my thoughts, Mike. Oh, oh but in, real quick, too. Overall, it was just really cool to talk with Dylan Spencer. That was a guy who has always been very friendly um, to me. But he's also a kind of throwback recruit in that he just handled his recruitment uh, early, didn't want a lot of media attention, committed out of the blue. So it was awesome to get to talk to him after the fact and kind of pick his brain on why he committed and what he thinks of the class. So it, that was a really fun one. Plus... C.E. King has some incredible facilities. Oh, my goodness. And Dylan's got a little brother who uh, was a freshman. Yes. I believe is probably, just looking at his frame early on, probably going to be one to watch for us to come back to uh, and, and just kind of see how he looks. So uh, interesting indeed. After we left there, we went down to Friendswood. And, uh, buddy, I think this was the moment you were probably waiting for all week. Yeah, those who have followed my writing um, since I was at Inside Texas, first as a poster and then um, as a writer, know how big of a fan I am of uh, Friendswood Edge, Braylon Shelby. And <laughs> he did not disappoint. I think he's grown. He might even be six foot six now, truly. He looked amazing moving around. Um, he, just as good of a kid as he's always been. Then, today, he goes out and triple jumps 45 feet to win area and qualify for regionals at six foot six, 225 pounds. I've said it forever. I think Mike, even before I got to 24-7, said this. He's one that is an NFL body that has all of the off-the-field indicators that he's going to fully translate, that he's going to fully maximize, excuse me, and... He's starting to get pursued by programs that match his talent level. It took a long time. It took until January for Texas to offer him. But now Texas and USC are likely the top two. Florida State's trying to get into the mix. Tennessee's trying to get into the mix. Notre Dame's begging him to take a visit. Georgia wants him to visit. And if they offer, it could get a little bit interesting. But you're starting to see these power programs realize, okay, there's a six foot six, maybe six foot five edge out of the Houston area. 
with the verified 20-plus mile-per-hour in-game top speed, explosive ability that shows with the triple jump, plus one of the smartest kids at Friendswood, which is a notoriously competitive academic environment. And he has the bloodlines of his father being a former Arkansas player and his brother Ty setting the Louisiana Monroe all-time sack record. So just about every indicator you look for in a prospect he has. Now, if you're wondering why he is only a three-star on uh, 247, as Gabe Brooks kind of says, three stars are still good players too. Especially a high three star. Exactly. But something to keep in mind is that Braylon, because his dad was sick last summer, hasn't been able to be officially measured in official capacity. So while Mike and I are eyeballing that he's 6'5", likely 6'6", the 247 team is really detail-oriented and want to see the official numbers before they just take our word for it and start tweaking rankings. So... As he starts to get a little bit more exposure and starts to go to more events and camp and get again get good on good reps, I think that you could see his ranking reflect the type of schools that are going after him. But again, that's just my take on it. I would also say that while we really like his film and some of the things he does, he didn't have a crazy production year last year. I think he had... Eight sacks. Eight sacks. That's not a. It's not a, a an incredible year for a guy, um, and I know he's played more off the ball, and, and they do a lot of different things with him. But that's kind of if you're questioning the ranking, I think those are some things that go into it. Now, inevitably, when we talk about this, you know, it's brought up. Well, you, when guys have great production, you say they don't have verified athleticism. When they don't, have, when they have verified athleticism, you don't say they have great production. Yeah, it's true. We kind of need the mix of both. And I think that Braylon's got a lot of those capabilities. Uh, it's just kind of about putting them together. I think he's in a great spot. A high three-star player is seen as a, um, you know, very strong candidate to have a long career in the NFL. So we're not saying, you know, this guy's bad by any means. Do I think he has potential to be a four-star player? Absolutely. Um, I just think that there's a need to kind of put some of those things together. And and we're not even close to signing day as well. Like that's the other thing where we still have a full senior year to evaluate as well. So, you know, just be patient with that is I guess I've said what I would say to people who are kind of questioning the ranking. Uh, that night we uh, saw another training session met with, uh, with Donnie bags, former A&M linebacker from the Houston area played in the, in the league for a little bit. Um, and I know that people lo- don't, they they think that maybe we don't associate or nobody at Texas or covers Texas or anything uh, doesn't associate with people who were from A&M. But Hudson, I couldn't wait to introduce you to Donnie because you're an all-time great guy. Donnie's an all-time great guy. And I knew you t- you would uh, just really enjoy his style. Yeah, I told Donnie at the training session, I told Mike privately too, that's one of the best um, skills trainer training sessions that I've ever been to. One thing that really stood out to me, and I think that maybe why a lot of skills trainers kind of get bad reputations, and Flight, who Mike is a good uh, friend of and does a lot of DB work in the Dallas area, does similar things. But seeing Donnie teach or teach high school kids with what uh, with uh, the high school scheme they run in mind. So for linebackers with a pulling guard, addressing whether you want to box or spill it and asking them what they run and making the kids kind of break down all the different scheme that they run at their own high school. That was really, really special to me. 
and overall, it was just one of the best training sessions I've ever seen. It's linebacker specific, so you know there really weren't any Texas uh, targets there. But we did get to see some really intriguing players, um, kind of highlighted by the Katie Paytel trio of Damian Sanford, um, Alex Kilgore, and Logan Thomas. And Thomas, who is a 24 edge, really, really impressed Mike and I. Looked like he had about an 80-inch wingspan and is a 6'4 edge that won Newcomer of the Year and was a standout player on Peto's uh, 5A state title team. So overall, that was one of the highlights of this trip for sure. I'll also mention that as the spring evaluation period comes around, coaches are going to get out on the road. They're going to see a lot of these guys. They're going to start identifying other targets at positions. I think Alex Kilgore at Peto is definitely a guy to watch to end up on that Texas linebacker board. And even if he doesn't end up at Texas, just wherever he ends up, know that that's going to be a guy that will probably play pretty soon and likely will have all-conference potential. I mean, he's just fantastic. Super smart and mature kid, too. was talking about getting set up to graduate early. Just, I, You know, we spent a lot of time just standing around talking about nothing in particular. I thought he had a, just a really grown-up and mature perspective on a lot of things, but also, you know, managed to be a kid. Um, just had the right – kind of right mix of maturity and fun. So – uh, that that was cool. Thursday, we, we did not hit schools. We used that to be a track meet day. I say Thursday because it's coming out Friday. Thursday is today as we're recording this. Yeah, it's almost Thursday. I mean, it's almost Friday. It's almost Friday. It's it's a late night. Um, started the day out at Huffman Hargrave, out in your old, kind of your old neck of the woods. Uh, do you want a boo? Huffman yeah, I was going to get a boo or at least mild thumb down, thumbs down. Uh Liberty alumni right here. Huffman, one of our bigger rivals. Um, but we were able to see some of your Southeast Texas boys compete, including Liberty, who was at the meet. Absolutely. Um, two guys we were out there to see primarily, Jamal Shaw from West Orange Stark and uh, Draylon Miller from Silsby. Um, we saw Stark uh, jump, long jump, and uh, – I'm sorry, we saw Shaw long jump. Um, I and, and talking to him – I think Texas has been a big factor for him, and uh, especially with, you know, his cousins Earl Thomas, his brother Johnny Shaw was once committed to Texas. The Longhorns are a big factor there. I thought he was a guy that could potentially commit this spring, but sounds like he really wants to carry it out until after his senior season. Um, We'll see kind of how that shakes out for him. And then you've been a a big fan of of Miller uh, and and have been talking about him for a while. he will be at the spring game this weekend, but uh, just kind of, I, I don't think he's a guy who's in the conscious of a lot of our readers and listeners. So uh, just kind of talk a little bit about him. Yeah, the the rising juniors always sneak up on uh, recruiting fans, and I know that as a former uh, you know consumer of all things Longhorn recruiting. But keep an eye on Silsby's uh, Draylon Miller. He's already starting to get the big push from Texas and Texas A and M. Um, he is hearing mostly for wide receiver. Some schools see him as a safety. Some schools see him as just a football player and are like, let's just figure it out when he gets on campus. Uh, Absolutely unreal basketball player. I first heard about him from a Liberty coach who hit me up during the season saying, hey, this kid has no offers, but he's going to. He gets whatever he wants whenever he wants. And when you turned on the tape, that was exactly what happened. Then he followed up his football season 
with a borderline all-state, I believe all-state uh, basketball campaign for Silsby, who's known as one of the best basketball programs in 4A. And then today ended up qualifying for uh, the regional track meet in two relays. So that is a guy that you should keep an eye on and somebody that both college coaching staffs and the 24-7 evaluating team absolutely love as an all-around prospect. Um, I think something to keep in mind with Draylon is that even though Texas A&M probably is pushing the hardest right now, he did kind of tell me that he grew up rooting for Texas. Texas has really strong family connections with him. So if the Longhorns do go all in uh, on this recruitment, I think that it could turn out with a you know burnt orange house. Yeah, we'll see how that does it. And then uh, went over to uh, Conroe Grand Oaks, where we mentioned we saw Niblet run. We watched uh, Jonah Wilson compete in the 4 by one So I saw some speed, some serious speed at that event on both the boys' and the girls' side. Shout out to the uh, – I, I don't have her name. It's Jordan Price. She was a Conroe Grand Oaks uh, sprinter, cool. and she was a baller. I mean, she was winning every event. She was – she she knew – I, I think she – she was going almost low 11s as a high school uh, girl sprinter, I think as a junior, so she was unreal. She was an alpha for sure. Um, and we kind of talked about uh, Niblet already there. So um, tomorrow, or today as you're listening, we'll be headed out to El Campo to see Ruben Owens, headed up to Austin Friday, and we will be at the spring game for coverage on Saturday. So if you see us at the spring game, don't be afraid to come up and say hi and uh, you know tell us what you think of our work. All right. Hudson. Only only positives. Only positives. Yeah. Don't come up and say that we don't give enough attention to your nephew or whoever. Or that you call Houston uh, H-Town when it's clearly the Bayou City. All right, Hudson, speaking of the spring game, um, I guess, you know, one of the big, not regrets, but something I wish I had more time to do this week was gather more names for the visitor list. We just didn't. I mean, a lot of our days have started around 8 a.m. and they've ended around midnight. Uh, we have the worst Wi-Fi in America at this hotel. Um, so we've been doing a lot of work from the lobby. Uh, we know there's going to be some big visitors there. Um, and we're going to be there to cover them. But what are you looking forward to, you know, spring game-wise this weekend? Most of my excitement is on the team side. There are some fun recruiting dynamics, probably the most fun recruiting dynamic to me is if they do get a loaded group of receivers on campus, do the quarterback show show up and show out enough to where receivers are starting to get more excited about who actually is on campus than the potential of what Arch Manning will do if and possibly when he gets to the 40 acres. That's something that I'm kind of fun of. We've already heard um, a little bit of that. Ryan Niblett told us that he was shown the uh, – footage from practice and immediately was asking uh, who the dude with the mullet was. Uh, not really, he, but he did say that number three was a baller. Um, that's something that I'm looking forward to. I There is a little bit of a who can be worse between the edge talent and the potential offensive linemen in the spring game. I'm not high on e- really either group, um, but, you know, it's kind of a quid pro quo, I guess, who could be worse. I'm That's something that scares me a little. I like Baron Sorrell. I like Ophi. Hopefully, um, a Sean Mathis eventually gets on campus and the freshman offensive lineman can add some needed depth to the uh, O-line group. But can I break some news? 
I think it might already be broken by the time the podcast goes out. So yeah, the podcast will actually go out first. So if you're listening on this podcast, not it's rare that you listen on the podcast that you get a piece of news that we don't break first on the website, but uh, it's close enough together. I can say that uh, we do expect Oshawn Mathis, the uh, TCU edge rusher, to be on campus this weekend for an official visit after unofficially visiting last week with the decision coming up. So you talk about edge talent um, and, good Lord, the transfer portal uh, and what it's done for roster, this roster construction, uh, absolutely would be huge there. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that immediately you get a day one starter at um, you get a day one starter. Sorry, a little bit of technical difficulties there. Um, a little you get a day one starter at Jack. Then you can move Ophi over to Buck, and then Baron Sorrell as the third pass rusher. That's very interesting to me. Um, and then on the offensive line side, I want to see something from Cole Hudson. I want to see Hayden Connor be clearly the best offensive lineman on the day. Those are two things that I'd be pretty excited about. Just overall competent play. Let's show some flashes. Let's have some fun. I like Sark's idea not to split the teams up. I think that was needed, especially with, I think, only nine scholarship offensive linemen being able to play. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's a numbers game at this point. And, yeah, you don't need nine. You probably, hopefully, don't need nine guys to play in a game. Um, but you do in a spring game, especially if you're going to split the teams up and go two ways. So I'm interested to see what the format looks like. I feel like spring games are largely disappointing when they come to expectations. They can either be that way or they can fuel some pretty crazy expectations going into the fall. Really what I would like to see is the newcomers, some of the new faces, um, whether that be guys that came in via the portal or that be guys that maybe just redshirted last year. A couple names that come to mind, obviously, Isaiah Naor. And then the two tight ends, Jaleel Billingsley and Jatavian Sanders, who we've heard a ton about during uh, spring practice. Just really want to see how they look. Defensive side of the ball, you mentioned the pass rush. I'd love to see the, again, you know, it's always kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. Because if the D-line dominates, is that because they were good or because the offensive line was bad? But I would love to see the interior line uh, get a push. Everybody who knows me, knows I'm a huge Byron Murphy guy. Uh, I thought Murph showed some some real uh, flashes last year. I want to see him consistently put together. And I would love to see Alfred Collins come into his own as the player we thought he might be. Again, another guy that's shown plenty of flashes, but putting it all together uh, would be huge. So that's kind of what we're looking for at the spring game. We will be there. Like we said, we'll provide coverage afterwards, so tune in for that. All right, honey. Um mini mailbag uh let's try to it's late we've been going for here for a little bit i've still got to edit this um before we get into that i guess i i guess i should mention later today caleb johnson will make a decision um between texas and miami the transfer linebacker from ucla it's been tough to get a read on him i have talked to some people on the texas side and i've talked to some people on the miami side i would say that the overwhelming amount of sentiment I'm getting is that they expect the pick to be Miami, but nobody knows anything for sure. And, and everybody has kind of admitted he's tough to read. So um, something to watch for later on today is that decision. And, and we'll kind of see how that pans out. Yeah. Take us to also, let's just very quickly take a break from the binary. Will he pick Texas or will he pick Miami just to reflect on how weird it is that Caleb Johnson might end up in Texas again after 
his entire recruitment from Fullerton to, you know, Texas, immediately to UCLA. I mean, that's just kind of a weird, funky wrinkle from uh, the portal era. Yeah, never thought I would have to cover Caleb Johnson again. Um, all right, let's go mini mailbag. Let's try to kind of power through it and shotgun through it, uh, and then we will uh, finish it up. Um, Mike, how many questions do you want? I mean, we can, if we we could go quick on them, uh, if you think, or I'm gonna trust you. You pick out, and and we'll just roll with it. Okay. Um, this is from H Town Five. Mike, what was your experience like at El Tiempo, especially as a Dallas um, snob? Wow, that was a little bit of a mean question. That's ugly. Um, I wouldn't call myself a Dallas snob. I'm a Dallas guy. Um, and as a Dallas guy, you're bred to hate just about everything about the city of Houston. I would assume vice versa. Um, that said, Hudson has been talking up El Tiempo. Uh, our good friend Matt Stepp has always talked up El Tiempo. And I don't care where I'm at. If you're offering good Mexican food, I am here for it. And, uh, you know, we went into the experience. I've kind of always had the opinion that Mexican food's Mexican food, and there's not a lot of variance between the top and the bottom. I would say after going, it was elite. How elite was it, Hudson? We went and ate there on Wednesday, and as we were driving back from track on Thursday, couldn't decide where we were going to eat. I kind of just said, is El Tiempo kind of a good option right now? And uh, looked it up, and there was a location near where we were, and uh, went back Thursday night for seconds. So loved it, loved everything about it. Fantastic food. Uh, some of the best Mexican food I've had. So uh, very, very, very pleased with it. Yeah, if you're on the board and ever need food wrecks, I am pretty – again, this is a – not a, uh, this is not a humble Sick moment. Is, yeah, exactly. But I'm pretty, I'm pretty great at food wrecks. So always hit me up on the board. If you are in a city that you think I might know, Atlanta, Austin, um, Houston, and Rockwell. Oh, yeah, uh, Rockwell. Gross. Um, okay, here we go. Next question. All right. From Mikey grass six at this point in their recruitment, do you believe we are in a better position? We being Texas with Ryan Niblett or Jonte cook. I think they're in a really good position with both of them. I, these questions are always like, you want to pin us down to one answer. I get it. Um, I, I would say, I think they're in a, a great position with both of them. If it was a stock, and I'm watching rising stocks. I think that the Niblet stock is rising so quick right now. You would probably love the way it's trending there. Whereas the Jonte one's been more of just a constant. Um, I, I, I think, I still think Texas is, is a pretty good favorite to land both. So I like where they stand with both of them. Yeah. I, if you, again, imaginary sports gun to my head right now, I guess I would say Niblet, um, but that might be recency bias. So let's move on. I will take this one. Appreciate all the work, uh, gentlemen, from it's Jeremy P. For both of you, if you were a coach on staff, give me two guys on offense and defense that you would offer a scholarship to tonight. Um, I think that for to roll through these, we'll just take one each. Um, on offense, I'm trying to think. I'm kind of blanking, and we do want to – go through these on defense. I would easily offer Bryson Washington from Franklin talked about him a bunch. That's kind of an easy one for me. Um, on offense, I'll go with Jelani Watkins from Klein force, a 2024 wide receiver that 24 seven has as the top player in the state. Offensively, I would probably say I, so Texas has kind of gone a different way than I would have personally. 
at the second running back position behind where they see Ruben Owens. Um, I like Kidra Criscano from New Caney or Quentin Joyner from Maynard. Those are probably, one of those guys would probably fit that. Defensively, I'm going to say Jordan Sanford from Mansfield Timberview ran 10-5 again today to strike me. Rising stock just got bumped up to a four-star guy I've really liked uh, since I met him last spring. So uh, th- that would be the answer for me. Over, under two commits this weekend. I'm going to go under. Yeah, under. Uh, yeah, I, I, again, let me preface this by saying, much like those visits in late May or late March, early August, early April, good Lord, what a noodle brain right now. Um, I think that you want to lay the foundation for a future commitment, but I don't see a lot of action happening this weekend. Could be wrong. Who's the best offensive lineman on Texas's board? I'm going to take this question as who do I personally feel, and it would be Jaden Chapman or Ian Reed. Those are my two favorites. I kind of, I really like Ian Reed just as a player. Um, the more and more I look at him, I think that he's just got a lot, and you're and you're starting to see that with all the offers he's picked up: Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, all uh, Minnesota. Wisconsin, um, and I know we kind of joke about Minnesota, but, you know, those Midwest schools, those Big Ten schools know how to identify offensive linemen. He's got the rugby background. I, I just really like his – I like his ceiling, and I love his floor. Do you see us pursuing an offensive lineman in the portal after spring is complete? It would depend on the guy. You know, I think Texas really wanted to get involved with Marius Mims, and what a funny story that was. But – um it would depend on the guy. They're not going to take a guy for nothing, and and I don't think there's been a an obvious candidate in the portal so far this year to to go after. Um, I still think they want to fill linebacker depth, even if they don't get Caleb Johnson. I think they'll still be looking, and it you know it's something to watch. A big if there's going to be an exodus, it's going to be this pretty soon because May first is the deadline to get into the portal, um, and I think. I think they probably want to throw that attention more at like linebacker. Um, and of course with O'Shawn math is still out there. Um, you know, there's a spot for him. They're, they're running out of numbers, even though, like I said, they're, they've kind of treated numbers like they don't matter. So, um, I think it would just matter who the guy is. I kind of don't think they will. I understand the logic behind it. And maybe it's one where, you know, Three months, I guess, three months from the time the season starts, it's, oh, God, why didn't they do that? But I think you can trust the true freshman offensive line to give enough spot uh, snaps. And, you know, again, you're talking about two for sure five stars in Kelvin Banks and Devon Campbell that could potentially get some playing time. Plus, Nato Amosolo. Um, and an entire group of guys that Hudson's already there. Cole Hudson. Oh yeah. And Cole Hudson's already there. I mean, he was taking, uh, reps at, he actually started at right guard in the last scrimmage. So Cam I, Williams I Williams has a size. Yeah. That's yeah. the glass is stacked, but you don't think if an Amarius Mims type popped up in the portal, they would take a look. I can't, I, hmm, I'm hemming and hawing. I kind of don't. At least, I don't think so. We'll see. Um, who is the next truly elite player to come out of Westlake or Lake Travis? I've said it for a while, especially since he really started producing towards the late end of their playoff run. I think it's Vosick. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great choice. Um, I, I guess I would put Great House up there. Um, I mean, a lot of people already know who he is. He's made a name for himself on the big stage. Uh, I think, again, we talked about him being a little bit disregarded because of his tweener status as a, we don't really know if he's a tight end. We don't really know if he's a receiver, but, man, the guy is kind of a proven winner. So um, I, I guess I'll say him. I could see him going to the college level and very easily turning into a major weapon. Follow-up question uh, from a different person. This is from Jayhorn67. Why haven't we heard much about Colton Bosick? I'll let you lead off. I just don't think there's been a lot there. I think we all, us included, thought Texas would be an instant player from the moment they offered. But, you know, he's picked up some bigger schools, uh, the Alabamas and Georgias of the world. And um, I think maybe there are times where we probably just take that legacy thing maybe too much into consideration. And, um, you know, in this case, I think that it's not a slam dunk for Vosick. We'll kind of see how it plays out. I'm interested to kind of get some more intel on him. He's been pretty quiet, but um, I just don't think there's been a lot there from the Texas side. Yeah, Mike nailed it. And I hope that that change is one where when we're doing our post-National Signing Day recap, we're all just laughing and he's actually in the class because I think that he's an absolute stud. Um, we'll go with the last one. When do you think the coaches will really start pushing hard for commitments? June? Question mark. The truth is, they're always pushing hard for commitments. It's just the kids start feeling that pressure, the leverage starts to increase, and then the commitments start popping. Yeah, I, I think this stuff is kind of talking semantics. You know, it's like some kids have different timelines, and um, there are certain kids you can push and certain kids you can't leverage is a big key to that. Um, you know, they felt they could push Samaj Burrell, um, to kind of jump in. They, they felt they could lean on Dylan Spencer a little bit. I think you'll see them push for guys like Jordan Matthews and, and, but they've already been doing that. You know, it's just, it's up to the kids to make those decisions. Um, actually, I think we'll get one more. There was kind of a later edition that, uh, I think we should say, are there any, are there any players on commit watch this weekend? Are there anybody that we're looking for that maybe could pop? Mike, do you want me to take this one first or do you want to take it? Yeah, you can go ahead. I think two names that I don't think that they will commit, but some people that we've kind of been maybe thinking about are Will Randall's taking his first trip without Arch Manning to Texas, the Isidore Newman uh, 2023 tight end. That's one where I've kind of been monitoring. And then the other one is Ryan Niblett feels really high on Texas right now. And Brennan Marion's doing a hell of a job. I don't see him being one that wants to shut his process down early. But that's the other one that I would maybe keep an eye on. And then there's probably somebody that at you know 12, 20 or whatever time it is that I'm missing tonight that I'll think of in the morning and I might just add in the uh, message board topic for this podcast. All right. Well, we were going to talk a little El Tiempo, but I think we've already covered that. So, Huddy, anything else you want to say before we get out of here? I don't think so. It's going to be exciting to watch the spring game. I mean, I already have the football itch. I'm ready to go. Hudson has the giant football itch. He's been talking about it. He's been watching random spring games. Who did you tell me you were watching the other day? I can't remember. It was uh, – it shocked me that you were watching it. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think I questioned you and you just screamed, I got the itch. So uh, somebody needs to come up with a cure. 
All right. We appreciate you guys for listening. We appreciate you guys for tuning in, subscribing to the site, uh, corresponding with us through all the various forms of contact you can uh, reach us with. Uh, we're going to get out of here. We will see you guys next week. For Hudson Sandish, I'm Mike Roach. Bye.